School Stories is a podcast about creative people and their relationships with school. I interview friends, colleagues, and strangers about how school did or did not support their growth as a creative person. We discuss how school informs who we become in unexpected ways and what we wish for education moving forward. At School Stories, we know that our identities are wrapped up in our schooling experiences, and we're eager to learn from those experiences so we can do better for creative kids everywhere. Because we know creative kids are all kids. And I mean, there's just so many stories, and and I just feel very fortunate that the art has been that point of connection, Mm -hmm. bringing intimacy between me and my clients. Gabby Gomez is the founder of Annie Creative Studio for Wellness. Annie's is the coalescing of her experience as a teacher, an artist, and an art therapist. She's worked in classrooms, in art studios, and in hospital units. Gabby is passionate about using the arts to serve students of all ability levels. I'm excited for you to hear more about who she is and the impact she's having on the students she works with. Enjoy. Hi, doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Of course, I'm happy you're here. I'd like to start by asking just you to introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do both professionally and then recreationally. Okay, so I'm Gabriela Gomez, I'm mainly known by as Gabby Gomez. I am um, Mexican-American transplant from the border to Mexico City, to New York City, to San Antonio. (laughs) Um, And I am very passionate about uh, creativity and expression. That led me into becoming a graphic designer. Then uh, led me into working in advertising. Mm -hmm. Then switching careers or emphasizing my career, I guess, more into the helping field and um, became an art therapist. Mm -hmm. And after uh, some years, decided to pursue my own personal dream of opening my own practice. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'm combining that in the teaching world. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Cool. Um, and when you're not teaching at school or teaching at your personal studio, what do you like to do? I love the arts in general. So I love going to a theater. Um, very interesting enough, not the movie theater. I don't know why. <laughs> I like to watch plays. Yeah. Um to listen to concerts. Mm -hmm. I like hiking. I like being in nature. Mm -hmm. I like sitting and just watching people. Photography has been a a huge passion of mine, but I've, ever since I moved here, I I kind of put it aside while I was doing a lot of uh, my, you know, launching my own kind of career and business here in Mm -hmm. San Antonio. But I love, I love photography, uh, capturing moments, uh, capturing a story and and an image. I'm very passionate about that. I have a German Shepherd, my little uh, (laughs) 90-pound big hairy guy, keeps me pretty busy as well. Um, I go to a park with him a lot. We used to do daily um, four-mile runs. Both of us are very out of shape because we haven't in a while. Yeah, that sounds like a lot daily. Yes, but he <laughs> needs it. He has so much energy. And and again, I like being out in nature. Mm-hmm. I like just seeing, observing my environment. So going out for runs 
um, kind of connects me with that. So I really enjoy doing that. Um, yes, I just like kind of staying busy. I, I am, um, very close to my friends. I am, I don't know, I've been told I'm just like very giving. So Mm -hmm. I like being available to be of any help wherever I can. So that's a little bit what my days look like. That makes a lot of sense given what you do. (laughs) Um, okay. So you talked a little bit about your professional background already, Um, But can you tell our listeners more about your work as an art therapist, how you started in art therapy, and kind of like what you did day to day with your clientele? Mm -hmm. Um, So I moved to New York pursuing a career in graphic design. I wasn't very sure what area of design I wanted, and um, I ended up landing a job in advertising And it was very interesting, fascinating, stimulating, challenging. But my background just in my personal life had always been also complementing my professional passions with um, just kind of philanthropy, Mm -hmm. being around people, um, helping people. And so I kind of was missing that part when I was in advertising. And in doing research, I wanted to kind of expand my career, and in doing research into different programs, I ran into art therapy, and I started doing digging and reading more, and I was like, what is this? It sounds kind of weird. Is, mm-hmm. you know, is it something legit or not? And um, it turned out to be something incredible. I took a couple of um, intro courses just to get an idea of what it was if, if I decided to pursue that, and I decided and to enroll, so to kind of left my job, applied for the master's program. Um, there in New York City, I was like, I'm in the city already. Like it's it's like perfect setting for yeah. me to pursue this. And I always tell people I really wasn't interested in, in designing something to help sell one more shampoo or you know yeah. or one more household <laughs> product. Um, it really moved me and and I was much more interested in, in finding ways to help people um, to communicate a language, to help create their language, to mm-hmm. communicate um, their internal world out to the to the outer world. And so that's how kind of it all started. Mm-hmm. And while I was pursuing my master's, I ended up doing an internship in a hospital. And um, when I graduated, I had a job offer in the hospital. So mainly my experience was focused on medical art therapy, helping children um, cope in a hospital environment, which is a very foreign environment. Um, some kids were hospitalized just a, a one-time hospitalization, which is enough to, to create some trauma for some, some children and families. Um, and some kids with chronic illness who had recurring, ongoing hospitalizations. Yeah. Um, and and that's that was my main focus. And while I was there, I started being very much interested in the growth and development of a of a child who was hospitalized, mm-hmm. how an illness or hospitalization um, affected their development mm-hmm. or enhanced their development. Like what happened through their development in all areas: emotional, cognitive, physical, social. Um, so. Slowly, I kind of started shifting a lot of my focus and interest in research and approach with a very much a developmental component. Yeah. And um, when I moved here to San Antonio, there was an opportunity for me to um, work in a hospital here. 
And when I moved here, my my idea was to kind of stay away from the medical field for a little bit and start working um, with other populations, not necessarily medically ill children. Mm-hmm. And this opportunity to work in a hospital again came really out of nowhere. And I had just arrived, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it because I love it. I mean, I am very passionate about it. I'm very much interested in everything that goes around it. Um, so I thought, well, maybe it's not my time to let go of it yet. Mm-hmm. So I went back, um, and I was there for a year. And then just life and you know personal circumstances um, took me to take the decision to to start pursuing that dream of mm-hmm. of creating my own model of what I wanted to offer. Mm-hmm. And so those were kind of my years as an art therapist. Yeah. Uh, which I very much incorporate a lot of it, yeah. although now I, I do not focus on the clinical aspects. Yeah. I miss it. Sometimes I think maybe I should, you know, yeah. um, part of my time focus on that. But at the moment, I am very much immersed in what I'm doing. So yeah. that's that's where I am right now. Yeah. So interesting. So we've talked a little bit about this because my background is very much like straight ahead education and yours is more clinical, but there is a lot of overlap in the work that we do. Um, even though you, you don't describe your work as clinical now, it's certainly informed by your work as an art therapist mm-hmm. and has therapeutic elements to it. And to me, art th- like I have such admiration for art therapists and the work of art therapy, but it is very new to me. Um, and not something I know very much about. And I, when you first started talking about it, you said like, when you first came across it, you were also like, what is this? Like, (laughs) and it sounded almost a little odd to you. And so, and when I, when I think about it for like more than 30 seconds, I, I, it makes so much sense that art would be an access point for like rehabilitation, whether it's physical or cognitive or social emotional, um, especially when you think about the way that like artists talk about their art making and like mm-hmm. how it, a lot of people say like my artwork saved my life or art is how I survive and like, but I'd love to hear from you. What is it about art in your experience working with kids in hospitals and in other contexts that is so healing? Um, it's very personal, intimate mm-hmm. connection that you get and it's very much involves self discovery mm-hmm. from from your own fears maybe of approaching the blank page mm-hmm. you know children adults anyone you, we all get intimidated when we have a blank canvas yet we can also be very empowered because yeah. you're in control at what what's going to go there mm-hmm. um so from from a clinical perspective you know when you get to dive in and and um, start kind of peeling the layers of it mm-hmm. and and kind of informing yourself from from what you're creating and you know from what your internal world is yeah. kind of boiling mm-hmm. um, and then have the opportunity to literally make it tangible something yeah. you can hold something you can touch something yeah. you can see um, really brings a lot of, of healing components mm-hmm. Um and, and it's a, sh- a story you get to share. You don't yeah. get to live that experience. Whatever the experience is alone is shared, even even though you don't verbalize it. Mm-hmm. It's already shared because it's out there. It's something right. visible. And that's always the starting por- point of, of a healing process. Yeah. Amazing. Um, are there any stories from your time as an art therapist that really demonstrate 
the power of art therapy? Like, are there are there particular clients that you worked with or kids that you worked with who had a transformative experience through art therapy or instances where you felt really surprised by the progress that a student had made? I, I wrote my thesis on, on one particular patient I, I got to work with who was a patient with a terminal illness. And, I mean, I was still in school. I mean, yeah. they throw you into internships, like, right away. This yeah. was... This was my second year, so at least I wasn't like (laughs) completely fresh. But she really marked me um, because I do remember this was a patient that sadly did not have a lot of family around her for for different reasons. And um, she was in in isolation, so that means the room can't be contaminated. Mm -hmm. Um, You got to have a lot of precautions. So she she couldn't come out into like playroom areas or areas to where she could socialize with other children. Um, And and she had been in the hospital for a really long time, and she would go in and out. Again, she had a terminal illness. And I remember towards the end um, when she was very very much deteriorating. She um, she would just, with her very quiet voice, just, you know, in her eyes, like the communication with her eyes was so powerful. She would just ask me to stay mm. and to just keep her company next to her bed. And this is a stranger, basically, yeah. you know, for a child that's so vulnerable to ask basically a stranger to be there and be witness and present. Yeah. That was um, extremely powerful. Um, now connect it with the R, again, because... The art is also very informative. Um, I was I was in awe and, and shocked because one of her last drawings was a Christmas drawing, mm. and family was in the drawing. Um, I'm sorry, no family was in the drawing, um, but there were Christmas gifts, mm. and there was one gift. I mean, that looked almost like buried under the tree. Yeah. It was a black box. Wow. Um, and not not long after, she she died. Wow. So it was very representative of of her state, and you yeah. know, of of that unconsciousness yeah. that gets reflected in in the art oh. making. And I mean, there's just so many stories, and and I just feel very fortunate that the art has been that point of connection, mm-hmm. bringing intimacy between me and my clients yeah. to. To be that like window or that door that opens into their world. Wow, that's really beautiful. Why don't you just tell us about what Annie's art studio is? Um, start there, and then we'll talk about how it came to be. Sure. So um, Annie is. It's called Annie Creative Studio for Wellness, and the the idea is to be able to provide a space for people of all ages and all abilities to um, thrive in their growth and in their development, regardless of where they are in life. So what Annie has is a space that focuses on the creative arts. So I have this little slogan that says, um, draw it, write it, dance it, play it. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, whatever your medium is. Mm -hmm. So can you... um just to give our listeners a little bit more context about how your work looks, mm-hmm. um, tell us a little bit about some of the students that you've worked with and some of what their particular needs might have been. Sure. So I do have a very, very big interest in um, different abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, just from since childhood, 
Um, I have a family member who's deaf. Um, I've had classmates who have had some type of challenges in school when I was growing up. And I have an 11-year-old nephew who I adore as my life who has cerebral palsy. So just overall, uh, different abilities has been a huge area of interest of mine. Specifically because also within the hospital environment, I've seen a lot of kids struggling um, because of, of their different abilities, but mainly because they have not had the presence, mm-hmm. uh, which requires time and patience to find what their language is, what their yeah. abilities can be. Um, so in the studio, I do, I have um, several uh, clients with different abilities. But something that I've noticed um, in these two years that I've, I've had the studio is that there's a lot of families who um, seek support because um, their development is a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. And not because of, of a cognitive or physical impairment. It's right. just that their their nervous system is not mature enough or yeah. their sensory system is not mature enough. The space that you work in is really special. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, it's hard to like verbally describe it, um, but it's sort of this little like. How would you describe? How would you describe the space? <laughs> I should ask you. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a little shed. It's not very big. Yeah. Um, I try to have a little bit of everything in it, uh, but mainly, I I really want the kids to know that. Anything goes in there. So we've done, I've moved furniture around and they've tossed giant yoga balls with paint. They've Mm -hmm. rolled it all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also connected to the backyard, Mm -hmm. which is a very nice open area. And in the backyard, I, um, you know, I have a little hammock. I have like a seesaw type of helicopter. Because another key uh, component to all of this I have not mentioned is body awareness, mm-hmm. um, rhythm, balance, breathing, um, how all that affects our ability to concentrate, our ability to navigate through materials, um, to problem solve, to um, strengthen our vision, like mm-hmm. just, you know, so many things. So I do have the kids use the backyard a lot, yeah. try and work in um, gross motor activities as well, mm-hmm. come out of like the traditional. Um, the studio is a place where um, I, you know, I clean up most of the things and depending on the goals I have for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if kind of, being organized and cleaning is not one of them. I give them permission to make as much mess as they yeah. want, and they can throw paint. I mean, I, <laughs> we've done uh, bullseye with giant cotton balls of paint. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done body painting during yeah. the summer. Like they can have their bathing suit, and they'll mix colors. I'll give them a challenge of how do you think you would make this color? Just yeah. a random pick from a magazine and yeah. they can rub it on their body and then they get hosed down. So a lot of sensory experience, a lot of out of the ordinary experiences that they don't get at home or in school. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll say from walking through it, it just has a very joyful and like free energy about it. 
Um, and so you can tell just from the space itself that there is a lot of room for exploration. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, and you, cause you've been there at the same time, it's connected to my own home, Yeah. which I, you know, it's also open. Sometimes I do have, uh, sessions inside the house space and I try to keep the home portion cozy that it looks like a home, but at the same time. If my couch gets paint on it, I'm fine. Yeah, it's it's not a place where I'm like, oh my god, don't you know? Yeah, <laughs> take off your shoes or you know, don't use paint here, because I do want to be able to provide that sense of normalcy of of a of a warm home environment, which mm-hmm. I think is important too, and and their emotional yeah. um, reception or perception of where they are, mm-hmm. um, not like a you know this art studio or an art class. Uh, type of environment, cookie cutter type of place, yeah. but these these opportunities are allowed in a an environment that can feel homey, you yeah. know, because that that's a very nurturing atmosphere you want to create. Totally, to be able to create in these podcasts, I like to kind of rewind first to ask you about what you're doing now, what your life looks like now, what you're, what kind of work you do, and why it's important, and then rewind and look at your own schooling experience and how your schooling experience may have informed or um, laid the foundation for the kind of work you're doing now. So can you talk about how creativity came into your own life and what it looked like for you um, as a kid? Um, Sure. So it's very interesting because I was asking my mom (laughs) that the other day. I was like, what did you notice of, you know, when I was (laughs) four, five, six years old? And I can't really pinpoint anything from my early years, which is interesting, um, that connects directly with school. Mm-hmm. Early years meaning like seven below. Right. Um, the one thing I do recall very vividly, it was more my um, kind of OCD probably. I mean, I, I would get... Christmas candy and I would organize them by color and make little shapes with yeah. them and I would kind of have fun with with that. Um, I would never let my mom do my hair since I was probably like four years old. Yeah, And there is a picture in the yearbook that I'm in pre-K and I'm like, how did you allow this, mother? Because, <laughs> you know, like that my, the part, like um, the part when I yeah, yeah. where you part your hair is so crooked. Like I have one ponytail <laughs> up, one down. It's a mess. <laughs> and she would tell me like, you just, you were so independent in that way. Like yeah. you just did not let me help you with it. But at the same time, I care now when I look at the picture. Yeah. I didn't care back then. Yeah. Like I was just like, this is the best hairdo ever. <laughs> I look fabulous. <laughs> I look amazing. <laughs> and the same with my clothing. Like I would do polka dots with stripes. Mm. I would do, you know, the most random, bizarre combinations. And I would be the one that would select my clothing. Yeah. And I do have to, I guess, applaud my family, my mother, for allowing me to do that. Yeah, because that's I th- really cool. I think that like looking now at it. I think that's what helped me mm-hmm. gain that confidence to explore without fear. Yeah. Um, because she's like, okay, fine. You're like, yeah. you want to do it? And then you're learning from your mistakes. Yeah. And so I think that then shaped or guided me later on in my learning. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I do recall, again, I don't recall really the early stages, but I do recall more like, 
I don't know, fourth, fifth grade upwards. Um, I would love, I liked um, all sorts of different ink mm-hmm. colors. So I would take notes like the title one color and like right. subtitle a different color, mm-hmm. little drawings here that represented, you know, whatever the topic yeah. is about. So I would take my notes in that way. That yeah. I'm a visual learner. learner. And that is something I, I she did share with me and I know. I was never interested in reading. Like yeah. I was not the typical girl that would have a book and read. Yeah. Also, I grew up in Mexico and and the culture and in, in schools, it's changed now, but back then it really wasn't as it is here mm-hmm. where where kids are, you know, you have like 10 books a year or whatever amount right, of books right, a year. Yeah. Um so I I was really I was not big on, on reading, but I love writing. Yeah. I remember like you know, as an eight-year-old being in the shower and making up my own songs mm-hmm. and like singing, like using the shower little thing as a <laughs> microphone and, you know, kind of creating my own yeah. songs. So I think that's kind of my creative, where my creative world started yeah. um, growing. Well, shout out to your mom because <laughs> that was, that. it's instances like that where kids are so often socialized out of their innate creativity because the mm-hmm. adults in their lives say that either like you're over imaginative or you're too expressive or mm-hmm. your creativity makes you stand out and you want to blend in. <laughs> your hair shouldn't look like that because the other kid's hair don't, doesn't look like that, right? Or yeah. like don't wear stripes with good polka dots <laughs> because no one else is wearing that. And so for her to give you permission mm-hmm. to use the word that you used earlier to just be and express in the way that felt good for you is... Way to go, mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I would tie that nature, too. Um, I was very fortunate to grow up in a kind of very open space area mm-hmm. back home. Um, we used to live, like, in the outside of the city. And um, we had a lot of, like, just wild backyard. Mm-hmm. And it was completely safe to be out until... 8 p.m. or whatever time and just running around and digging the dirt and collecting little stones and climbing trees and uh, figuring out any type of games we wanted to. Um, So that also stimulated me a lot to think and and my play um, just be very free. Yeah, yeah. There's very... You talked a little bit about this earlier and how... um, developmental challenges you hypothesize arise out of like the current the current context that kids are growing up with which is like no there's there's no reason to be bored because you're constantly consuming content Mm -hmm. or engaging with games or youtube or whatever it is and so there isn't that downtime to just let your mind go right um yeah so there's something so valuable about that that and I, I have a, I think a lot of parents have a lot of nostalgia for those days. Yes. Um, because it's not the context that a lot of kids are growing up in. Um, so what was school like for you in Mexico? How long were you, were you, did you go to school in Mexico? I, my entire life, basically. Okay. I did do um, pre-K, kindergarten, up until first grade in the Valley area. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up in Reynosa, and I went to school in McAllen. Um, second grade onward, all the way till twelfth twelfth grade, um, finished high school in Reynosa, and I was a pretty good student. Yeah. Um, I was always average on the 
you know, top 10, top five students. I do feel it was more because of my creative abilities to get away with things (laughs) than, than my, my natural intelligence. Um, cause I would always pay attention. Um, my notes were pretty good. Yeah. So I think all of that helped me, but not because I naturally was just like, you know, super excited, super about, excited about things. Um, I do remember like chemistry in high school, middle school, I would make stories um, like this little element married this little element and now they have a kid and the name of the element yeah. is this. And so I would find my own ways of making it interesting yeah. for me. Um, that's so funny because that's like what in education we call like arts integration, like integrating <laughs> arts into every subject, yes. which is this like more like progressive sort of like new wave of education where like there should be art elements in biology and in physics and um, in math and science. But like the fact that you were like instinctively doing that for yourself <laughs> as a kid is really interesting because I mean, what what that is is using your using your natural aptitudes and using your strengths to yeah. access something that wasn't so easily understandable for you. Yeah. Which is like an accommodation that teachers do. Right. But kids don't typically do them for themselves. So like that's a lot of ownership of your own learning that you were taking back then. <laughs> I, I do have to, I guess, give the props to I, I grew up, I don't know why, I grew up with confidence. Yeah. Um with a curious mind thinking, okay, if I don't know how to do it, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. But again, I think I did always have the support of my parents of you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Like just, you know, so I look back and I'm like, oh my God. But I was not afraid of that. Of course, maybe internally as any child, you yeah. know, you're mortified. <laughs> but yeah. but I, I was very fortunate in that way. I grew up in, a, it was a private school. It was a Catholic school run by nuns. Um, Faith has been a huge component of my life Mm -hmm. since I was a very young child. Um, And I was always involved in anything and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, a lot of people considered me to be a very strong leader in my community and and in school. So I, you know, I was always on the go. Let's, okay, we're going to figure out, we're going to collect this and we're going to go and take it here. Or we need to do a banner or... You know, I, I was always very much into like any student council. Like, mm-hmm. I was very active. I was huge in sports. I was very yeah. active in sports too. Did your creativity outside of like your own initiative was it was it nurtured in school? Was there a place for you to develop your creativity in in school? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. We our school constantly had plays. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, you know, morning announcements, things like that, yeah. where the teachers really allowed us freedom to put awesome. together everything. Yeah. Um, bulletin boards constantly being changed mm-hmm. and campaigns and things like that, where the teachers weren't really involved in anything. Yeah. Like they would tell us, like, okay, this is going on, and then it was boom. Yeah. Like even the yearly like logo for the school, the school around the country, we would submit, you know, the drawings yeah. and the slogan and all of that. It was very much like student driven in yeah. that way. What stands out to me about your story and the way that you talk about your schooling is you called it confidence, and um, I'd call it like you had a really positive learner identity. Like you had a really sen- a really strong sense of like I am capable mm-hmm. and I can um, persevere through challenge, and um, I am the owner of my own learning. 
and like what I have to offer is valuable and what I see and what I've seen as a teacher and in all the different positions that I've been in in schools and in traditional education settings is that a lot of students over time lose that positive learner identity and that is really um that is really um over time they start to see themselves as rather than effective learners and effective learners because they've come up against challenge so many times and not persevered mm-hmm. through it and not had the support. And so then they start to think, well, I'm not a good learner. Um, I can't persevere through challenge. This is not a context in which I will thrive. And so, and and that's the thing that really gets in the way of them discovering who they are um, and expressing themselves creativity be- creatively because um, their sense of self has been diminished mm-hmm. so much in school. And so it's so beautiful and I think appears in your life now in such an obvious way mm-hmm. that you had such a um, positive learner identity. And all the things you're describing, all the qualities you're describing about yourself as a kid are very evident in the work you're doing now because you're creating, um, you've created this place and this um, program out of like, a strong belief that what you have to offer is so valuable. Um, and I think that comes from your pot, like your product, positive self-regard and your positive, um, your pot, your positive feelings about who you are as a person and learner. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to close with just like a quick rapid fire. So I'll ask you four questions. And the idea is just like, say the first thing that comes to your mind and, if it sounds silly, we'll edit it out later. But most often, first thought is the best thought. Okay. So just whatever one comes one up. word answers or no? whatever. Okay. No no limitations around word count. Okay. Um, okay. So the first one is, what does creativity mean to you? Oh my god, it's almost like air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Everything. <laughs> um, how do you nurture your creativity? Um, mainly through the people around me mm-hmm. by observation, mm-hmm. um, a lot from my students, a lot from my clients, yeah. um, cause they challenge me. Yeah. So that's how I nurture my creativity. Um, sometimes I don't have fancy art supplies and you know, yeah. there's no budget for that. And so right there in the moment in the spot. And I learned that a lot from working in the hospital for my hospital yeah. days, um, like you have to think in the moment and I love it. I really love to be challenged in that way because I love being able to know that it doesn't stop there. Like mm-hmm. that's not going to stop us from doing yeah. whatever we want to do. So I am very much challenged just by my everyday circumstances, especially mm-hmm. working like with the clients I am or with my students at school. Awesome. Um why or what is it about creating that's therapeutic for you? Oh, wow. Um, uh, it grounds me. It grounds my body. It grounds my breathing. Um, it allows me to give myself space to disconnect, mm-hmm. um, to be, to remind myself of who I am mm-hmm. or the purpose of you know, my life. Um, and I find that through creating and creating, I'm telling you, sometimes just moving furniture around in my house and, and, and redoing, you <laughs> yeah, know, totally. the interior design of the house. Yeah. Like that for me is creating, um, 
decorating the plate I'm having dinner in. Yeah. You know, it's kind of my my moment to disconnect, to focus, mm-hmm. to reconnect, to um, yeah. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much. This was really really fun. Thank you um, so much for having me for this invitation for yeah. the work you're doing. Of course, for continuing inspiring others. Thank you. Yeah, and it went in a bunch of directions I didn't expect it to. <laughs> the fun part about getting more comfortable. Um, in, in recording the podcast is that I'm more present. So I get to actually ask the questions that I'm curious about (laughs) rather than just like having my questions written and like going question by question. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed learning from you. And before we go, I'd love for you to tell people just how they can connect with you and learn more about your work. Thank you. Yes. So again, I am Gabby Gomez. Um, my little studio is called Annie Creative Studio for Wellness. For sure, I call it Annie or the studio. Um, I'm located in Olmos Park. Um, and you can find me on my website, Gabriella with one L, Gomez.com, G A B R I E L A. G-A-M-E-Z dot com. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram. The concept of what I do sometimes is very hard to understand yeah. in an elevator talk. You yeah, probably won't same. understand it in two minutes. Um, but I do try to upload a couple of my work on Instagram mm-hmm. um, and on Facebook, mainly on Instagram. So if you go to my website, you'll you'll be able to find me on Instagram as well. Yeah, and I'll try to link all of your stuff in the show notes for the podcast so people can probably find it there. Um, and thank you everyone for being here and I'm just getting used to saying this, but I'm going to remind myself to say it again. If you liked the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends and leave a comment and we'll see you in our next episode. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you. Gabby. Thank you, Stephanie.